0: This is Aaron Golub, host of the Blind Ambition Podcast. We'll be bringing you world-class leaders, entrepreneurs, and athletes, people who have overcome obstacles and used their ambition to create enormous success in their lives. If you enjoy this podcast, if you get anything out of it, the only thing I'll ever ask is that you subscribe, rate, and review. Hope you enjoy. Thanks so much for joining me again this week. Today I'm joined with an awesome episode with uh, James Lachlan. James, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to talk to you. Aaron, it's an absolute pleasure to join you. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. And why don't you give my listeners a brief background on yourself, but you know, for everyone, a, a super high level overview is James is a world champion drummer several times over, a coach, soon to be author. You know, has done some incredible things within his life and really excited for this this interview to happen.
1: Oh, thanks, man. Yes, yeah, so I guess a bit of a brief background for, for those folks who I haven't connected with yet. So I live in New Zealand. I've been here for 15 years, uh, but obviously the accent is very non Kiwi. So I'm from Northern Ireland originally. I spent a little bit of time in Vancouver, Canada, to and from uh, between Christchurch and Vancouver. And I guess my story starts off in Northern Ireland where, for those of you who don't know, there's a lot of division there and still is. And it's all around religion. And there's been a lot of conflict and war, essentially war between different factions. So growing up as a kid there, I certainly seen some things that were unusual. And right from a young age, I had this massive desire to travel and it's funny i used to sit on the front step as a five-year-old and look into the distance and see these big jets taken off and in my mind every single one of those jets was going to new york i'm sure they were going to like glasgow and dublin and cork but in my mind as a five-year-old they were all going to new york and i was going to go on one of those flights
0: yeah, and
1: so. i just wanted to get there that's where i thought it was the coolest place on earth right so what happened was you know there's a couple of pivotal moments in my life i guess that has led me to sitting here and chatting to you aaron so at primary school i was very much uh, like a social glue i like to hang out with different people you know with the rugby kids the um, the girls the boys the geeks the the people who study the people who don't the the loners i hang out with everyone and i enjoyed people's company and i was always about hey what's the right thing to do and i remember one day uh, in the playground i was nine years old eight or nine and this kid who often was the victim of bullying was being bullied by two of the local skinheads and i went over and i said, boys enough's enough that's it leave them alone and they continued but spring had sprung and the daffodils yellow daffodils had popped up in the playground and i i remembered like my grandmother saying hey you know if you use those bad words james you know you, you're you're naughty you'll have your mouth washed out with soap and i thought well there's no soap here and these boys are using terrible language so i said look boys if you continue bullying going to be eating some daffodils for lunch and so long story short they continued they ended up eating some daffodils courtesy of me and i landed in the headmaster's office so eight or nine years old in the headmaster's office he was scary as hell right i'm a little boy he was a like a really stern person and he had to be because in that area you know there was things he had to deal with and certain parents and challenges he had to be stern so he got my side of the story and i was waiting for like a week of detention and he says look instead of detention i'm going to give you a set of drumsticks i was totally perplexed i was like what, what kind of punishment is that he says one one condition you got to show up every tuesday after school and get a lesson i was like okay i can do that so i went home and told my mom instead of getting punished i got a set of drumsticks and she was delighted so every week i went and this it must have been 60 65 years old this, this drum teacher was teaching me but it gave me a sense of purpose And it gave me a different focus. So this headmaster who I've since went back and thanked, was able to, as a great leader, see that punishment was one option, but inspiration and purpose was another. And he gave me purpose. So within three or four years, I was 13. I won the world solo drumming championships in the juvenile grade. Then I went and won it again the year after. Then after that, life started to open up. I had phone calls from Vancouver, Canada, from the Simon Fraser University, uh, from a private school here in New Zealand. Offering me the chance to move, which I'd always wanted to do, Aaron, to move over to Canada or New Zealand. So I set it up where I spent summer in Vancouver. And then because in different hemispheres, I went down and spent summer in Christchurch, New Zealand. (laughs) It was perfect. And I went on to win another five world championship titles on top of that and built my own business, uh, which was a retail business and an education business. And then, as you know, as a performer their psychology is a big part of of performance so there's the technique there's the skills there's on field but there's also that off field stuff of what happens in your mind and your mindset so I started to dive into the Tony Robbins stuff and that's kind of segues me to the coaching that I do so I started understanding if I can control my mindset my fear my nerves then my performance the outward performance is going to benefit So I spent some time going to his events, went to his uh, resort in Fiji and did one of his life and wealth mastery events, then went through the ICF, which essentially is the gold standard for coaches, uh, executive coaches, life coaches. That's the International Coaching Federation and started to build a business around that. And now I work with high-performing CEOs, multimillionaires, elite athletes, and I run a mastermind uh, with uh, some incredible people in that. So that's how journey of where i started and where i've got to and it's all been through feel i just went with what feels right and avoided what feels wrong and i've just landed where i've landed
0: no it's awesome let's let's take a step back to you had that opportunity to go to canada and go to new zealand what was that like to do that did you do that without your family Did, did they come with you how was that taking that jump at such a young age
1: yeah great question so The first big trip there was Canada. So I finished my last senior school exam. I was 18, just turned 18 years old. And the day after the exam, I jumped on a flight from Belfast by myself to Vancouver and slept on someone's couch for a whole summer and drummed all day every day and loved it. It was challenging. I did miss home, the first year was difficult, but I had a great group around me in Vancouver. And I really feel that, you know, proximity is power. And I had a great group of, they were a little bit older than me, and they were lawyers, doctors, architects, they were big thinkers, they were entrepreneurs. And they were very different than some of the people I was hanging out with back home in Northern Ireland. So they let me see a different way of life. So I almost quit, almost went back to Northern Ireland, but those individuals really Mm -hmm. helped me to see a different world. And so they became my new family. And I've been away from home for 15 years now. So I left when I was 18. I've been back for a few short holidays but I've made New Zealand my home
0: now. Yeah, that's incredible. What was it like, I know off air, we talked about this a little before, but growing up in Ireland, you know, some of the violence around the area that you grew up in, what type of influence did that have on you? I know you talked briefly about it in that story of you beating up those kids for you know, causing harm to someone else, but what other influence do you think that had on you positively or negatively?
1: Yeah, a really great question as well, Aaron. So, I remember seeing things like petrol bombs. You are looking out, you know, the bedroom window and seeing, um, or the, the landing window, looking out and seeing petrol bombs being thrown between, you know, armed people and police. I remember being, you know, coming home from my grandmother's house as a kid, sitting in the back seat, going through a little country lane, and being stopped by, you know, army the army with big big guns and flak jackets on. Um, I remember not being comfortable talking about religion because that would get you in big trouble. Mm-hmm. And so it had a couple of major influences on me. One, it's really from an early age, it put me off religion. And uh why it did, because the filter of how I was seeing it was through all of this violence. And I would be asking why are they fighting? Like what what, what are they doing? Oh it's because the Catholics and the Protestants were fighting and they they disagree. And, you know, I had this filter I was looking through. So that was the first thing. It made me really turn off to religion. And, you know, I've grown a lot since and I've got a wider, more open mind where I can appreciate and understand different things. And it wasn't just religion. It was more power and drugs and all these other things that come with it. So that was one thing. But also, I would say on a positive side, it really inspired me to look for something else, something different, an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to travel. So I think there was, you know, it was a fuel underneath me and I was able to harness that to help me actually get out and build the life that I've got.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. I, uh, I love to hear that. Talk to us about kind of your journey within drumming. You know, I know at an early age, you got good at it fairly quickly, obviously, Did you enjoy it and what, you know, how did that love for drumming kind of grow for you?
1: Awesome. So I really, I was obsessed. I would say obsession is a really accurate word. I was obsessed with it. And the 10,000 hour rule, which you're possibly familiar with, is if you want to get to a point of mastery of anything, you've got to at least put in 10,000 hours. And I would have done that in the first four or five years for sure. And I can recall, uh, so my my dad, uh, his initials, JJ and surname Lachlan, mine, JJ Lachlan. So I remember I was like 13 and it was about two months out from the world solo drumming championships. And I my parents went to school and I walked to high school, right? So they went out to school, I put my unif they went out to work, I put my uniform on, and then as soon as they left, I just locked the front door, took my tie off, got my drumsticks out got all these drumming videos. It was like VHS cassette tapes, got them in there, popped them in, spent the day drumming. And then the next day, it's totally not cool, but what I did, dear Mr. Such and Such, James, um, unfortunately, wasn't able to make it to school yesterday. Kind regards, JJ Lachlan. (laughs) So in my mind, I was like, I didn't lie. It's my name. I didn't write my dad. I don't, JJ Lachlan, it was me. So for me, there was an obsession and all I wanted to do was practice whether it was 6am, whether it was 10pm, on weekends, I would sacrifice weekends with friends, I did not care, I would happily sit on the edge of my bed with my little rubber drum practice pad, and practice for 10, 11 hours straight, my hands would be bleeding, there'd be blisters, but I was passionate. So there, there was a real obsession with what I was
0: doing. That's awesome. That, that's truly incredible. And, you know, it really turned into your life after after school as well. You know, what was the experience continuing to you know bring that to New Zealand to uh, drum at the level that you drummed at? What was that experience like?
1: Yeah, it was amazing. And uh, for me, like I like to visualize things. I like to look forward to like what am I working towards? And when I thought, okay, if I could become a world champion, both as a soloist in the juvenile grade and also at the top level with the drum line, then why can I not do that? in New Zealand. So New Zealand is 12,000 miles from Scotland, which is the heart of this pipe band drumming that I did. And I thought, why can I not take a group of students from New Zealand and become world champions? So that was my driving force. And that really, like, it really drove me for like five, six years until I achieved that. And what I wanted to do was to help these people rewrite the history books for their country, but also to instill belief. And any teams I've worked with, whether they're drumlines, whether they're businesses, when they don't believe they can win, they're stuffed. There's no way they can win. Yeah. And so for me, if I could show them, just win it once, guys, let's win it. And then they have this belief that, well, we can do it. And the world believes it too. So for me, it was about really shifting that paradigm and getting people to believe that they can achieve the ultimate goal, the ultimate success.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. That's awesome. I love I love to hear that. And and it's amazing how you've been able to grow that and and help others with it. It's, it's really powerful and and incredible.
1: Thanks, man. Thank you.
0: Talk a little bit more about what you're doing today. You know, you're coaching, you're in the process of writing a book, you know, what's, what's your life like now?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm really grateful for what I've got. So I've got a little boy who's about to turn five this weekend and he has changed my life so much Aaron and you know we can have all these grand ideas and visions and wants and dreams but we just don't know what's around the corner and yeah. on the 9th of May 2016 when he was born my perspective of life changed like that <coughs> and I just decided that you know I do compete at a very high level as a drummer we go to the world championships every year maybe 30 weekends a year taking up four or five nights a week or taken up I thought, you know what? I've had that life and I'm 30 years old at this stage and you know what? I can continue to do that. And my little boy, Finn, he can have a dad who's not really present or I can set that aside. I've done everything I've wanted to achieve. There's nothing else that I needed to achieve in that realm. And I could be fully present. You know, I had a great dad and a great mom who were present in my life. And so for me, that was my biggest calling. So on the day he was born, I decided I need to retire from drumming. And so it was about a six or nine month process, but pretty shortly after he was born, I stepped down from competitive drumming and that was the greatest decision. It opened up my world. I was able to go and get a degree because I never went to university and never had any desire. I just wanted to play drums and travel the world and drink beer and have just the best time. (laughs) You know, so I was 30. I just pulled out from competitive drumming, still working at a private school teaching drumming but I wanted to get a degree. So I was able to do that through applied prior learning. So I went, I was able to get my degree in like nine months and apply all the learning from my life and the businesses that I've set up. And it was a, the most amazing experience. And that That's set me cool. off on a new trajectory. So we've talked earlier, just off off air about a book. I've been writing this book for four years and I'm a big believer in get the idea, execute on it get it out there, perfect it afterwards. Yeah. But the reason this has taken me so long is that it means so much to me. And at the school I was working at here in New Zealand, over the 14 years, we had up to 10, maybe more kids commit suicide. And that is not unusual in New Zealand. New Zealand has the highest teen suicide rate, one of the highest domestic violence Mm -hmm. rates in the world, one of the highest child mortality rates in the world. When people think of New Zealand, they think of Lord of the Rings, they think of pure green New Zealand, they think of COVID free now in the last year. New Zealand is a beautiful place, but it's also got its challenges. And so as a dad, I got super passionate. I was like, I need, I need to figure this out. Teen suicide. My boy is going to be a teenager at some point. So I got really selfish and thought I need to equip my mind and figure out why these boys are doing this. And it mainly is boys. Boys are six times more likely than girls to take their own lives after, after the age of 12 or 13. So I started going down this route of discovery. So I got in touch with our former prime minister, chatted to him about what he experienced and what he was doing around depression, suicide as a prime minister, um, around also him as a dad, how he was able to be a high performer and be a great dad. I talked to Warren Farrell over in the States there who consulted to the White House on boys and men's health. I talked to some of the world's most elite athletes. So Richie McCall, one of the world's greatest ever rugby players, sat down with him and talked about parenthood. He's a young dad, new dad. What I was doing, is was trying to connect with as many dads as possible. Got to chat to Gary Vaynerchuk and ask him about parenting and how he does it. So what I'm doing is I'm bringing together all these ideas around fatherhood, how we can be more present, but also how we can, as dads, operate on a high level, be world-class, follow our dreams, still have a life of our own. Because yeah. when we give up our dreams, we don't become a great father and our children suffer because they see that we're hollow. So I'm chatting with all these individuals, I'm bringing this book together to be a little bit of a a pathway, a guide for other dads who truly want to help the next generation, who want to reduce suicide rates, who want to have those conversations, and realize that an absent father is one of the key indicators in social delinquency, incarceration, depression, suicide. I'm not saying that's the only thing, I'm not saying it guarantees that those things will happen. But it's a
0: big factor, yeah.
1: Massive. So that's what I'm doing on the side. It's a passion project. I mean, it's it's not financial at all. If if money comes in, great. I'll look at where I can take that money and, and donate it and, and help others. But for me, it's 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 a must project. I must do it. I must get it done. It's it's one of those cathartic things.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Really incredible and and powerful. You know, what advice? What lessons would you have for? You know, maybe it's maybe it's a young entrepreneur. Maybe it's someone who. Is scared to take that leap and 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 follow that dream. Maybe it's for a, a, a new father. What what advice would you give?
1: You know, there's there's a real um, a feeling of fear in the world, and fear drives a lot of our decisions, and fear drives a lot of our indecisions as well. And often that fear is based around humiliation. We don't. We we would rather, and this the the, the studies that back this up. We would rather feel physical pain someone break a leg of ours than to feel humiliation or shame in a public environment it's a very strong desire that we we push away from so as humans when we're making decisions we're doing one of two things we're moving away from pain that decision is helping us move away from pain or it's helping us move towards pleasure so for a young entrepreneur out there or a dad who's struggling who's stuck who is you know full of ideas, but can't execute, who's constantly worried about what the other dads are doing and what cars they drive. That's being driven by those internal thoughts, that subconscious mind. Yeah. So, you know, just give a lot less shits about what other people think about you. I, I think it's yeah. so important. Focus on you, focus on your family and what yeah. your vision is. And if there's naysayers, screw them.
0: It's super interesting. I feel like so many people think way too much about what others' opinions are, what others think. And it's like, I I genuinely don't care what anyone thinks about what I do and and who I am. And that's why I do a lot of stuff because other people's opinions don't affect me. Like, yes, there are a handful of people of opinions that I I truly trust and rely on and ask questions to, but for the most part, I, I, I genuinely don't care. It doesn't bother me. Like, I'm not going to say it on air now, but you and I were talking about a, a new business venture a thing that I'm probably going to come out with in the next couple of months. And, and, you know, I think it's a phenomenal idea, but if I do it and it fails, like whatever, you know, people don't think it's, it's, you so say you get back up and you try something else? Like it's, it's not the end of the world.
1: I love that. And I think it's going to be a great business venture, by the way, but I also feel like, you know, having self-belief, one of the underpinning foundations of that is turning your losses into lessons and too many of us get caught up in failing and screwing up like who cares if you don't fail if you don't screw up like I wrote a book uh 12 years ago on performance pressure it was called no more nerves and (laughs) it was all this content I thought this is going to be great and it's amazing I didn't put a marketing plan behind it I didn't really tell anybody about it I put it on maybe I don't even think it went on Amazon it was something smaller (laughs) than Amazon back then and just expected a thousand copies to sell overnight I sold like five copies. It was horrific. <laughs> yeah. So I looked at that and I'm like, cool. I'm embarrassed right now, but why am I embarrassed? Why? Cause I thought it was going to be big and it wasn't, but then I, I turned it around and went, wow, I've learned a lot. So then I put another book out that was a bestseller and sold out. We made a limited edition copy and it sold out. Why? Cause turned my previous loss into a lesson. And so I don't yeah. think there's any losing in life, any failure. If you can, detach learn from that and then adjust and move forward
0: yeah no 100 I, I i completely agree there that's incredible advice you know first off i really appreciate your time and you coming on here today where can people find you online your content more about you um if they're interested in getting in touch
1: Well, thanks, man. I'd love to connect with any of your listeners or followers so they can catch me on Instagram, James Lachlan Official. And Lachlan is spelled laugh, L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N. Or they can come straight to my website, jjlachlan.com. It'd be great to serve your listeners. And it's just an honor to connect with you, man.
0: Yeah, you as well. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed it at all, if you got one thing out of it, we'd really appreciate it if you would subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you.